Blog Talk Radio. Welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Voodoo Rootwork Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Clifford Lowe of clifflow.com in Scenic Teenick, New Jersey, and in just a moment we'll be joined by our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman of conjurmanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week we'll be joined by special guest Brother Christopher of runeworker.com in California, for our Oracle special on rune reading. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of voodoo conjure or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual voodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up the Lucky Mojo form at form.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman. Ms. Cat? Hi. Well, we have a nice little crew of people in the chat here, live kibitzers on the show. For those of you who listen to this show in archive, you know, we do broadcast live every Sunday, and you can join the chat just look for uh, posts in Facebook that give you the URL where to come, and you need to have a free Blog Talk Radio uh, account. It can be anonymous. It helps if we kind of can know a little bit who you are. If you use the same um, name that you use in the Lucky Mojo Forum, we'll recognize you. And in the chat, we have here... Um, somebody who we were just talking about behind the scenes, Mr. Christopher. <laughs> Welcome to the chat. Also, Tony I and um, uh, Patricia Lopez-Fofezzi. These are some of our Doc Murphy, Dr. Sweets, Onyx Rose, and WikiWay is up, and um, Verumest. That's a new one to me. Maybe been here before, but I never noticed that name. Um, so, yeah, come on and join the chat if you want to. And um, if you don't join it this week and hear this in an archive, just think next Sunday that we'll be here again. <laughs> well, things here at Lucky Mojo have been um, unusual, to say the least. I am conducting my first apprenticeship since COVID struck. And it's an intensive, uh, what I call a one-person, one-and-a-half-person apprenticeship. I'm doing an apprenticeship for a woman um, who came from Kuwait to study with me, just as I've done with other people who come a long way. And they do it in exchange for working for the shop. Um, Our current apprentice has been labeling candles bagging herbs and so forth at a wonderful rate of speed and listening to me give the history of herbs, candles, and washes and waters. And Next week we're going to be doing oils 
and um, bath crystals and mojo hands. And we just keep on going like that until we're done. Maybe it'll be oils and incenses and mojos, I think it is. And then the third week will be um, bath crystals, sachets, and jack balls. And that concludes 15 intensive days. And I'm about ready to do this again. Not this year, but next year, uh, when springtime comes again, I think I'll be offering three-week apprenticeships. And there'll be three one-week apprenticeships, not a one-three-week apprenticeship. And um, people can sign up for them. In order to to come and take an apprenticeship with me, you have to be a graduate of my course, uh, Who Do Root Work Correspondence course. So to get that course, you need to uh, go to luckymojo.com forward slash mojocourse.html. Read about the course. If it's right for you, you can work your way toward becoming a student by buying the required and books. Then you take the course, then you graduate from the course, and then you're in free because the apprenticeship doesn't cost anything. The course costs um, $104. It's remarkably cheap. You get a 432-page book. But um, I make a little money at the other end because you have to buy other books and other products to get in. So all, all in all, you're going to spend a few hundred bucks to take the course, just like you would with any online course. The apprenticeship, as I said, is free. It's a work trade program. So we've been doing that. We've been having a lot of fun um, labeling candles and uh, doing herbs. I'm worn out. I worked five days. I haven't done a five-day apprenticeship in two years, and I think I lost a little bit of my upper body strength during that time because lifting those boxes of candles, boy, that was a lot of work. So, and Nagashiva has spent a lot of time um, getting the apprenticeship materials reorganized. We had them, the last apprenticeship and the one before that, it rained and people like grabbed things and put them in the boxes and they didn't sort them properly. And so the boxes, which were all numbered and lettered, <laughs> came out a little wonky. And so we ended up with boxes that had the wrong things in them. So we we're, as we're working on this one-person apprenticeship, we're reorganizing all the boxes. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing, working really, really hard. And um, the only other news I have to say is that I have um, deactivated uh, all of our Twitter accounts um, because Elon Musk. I'm just done. I'm done, done, done. If you ever caught us on Twitter, you can find us someplace else now. Facebook and Instagram would be preferred places to find us. And of them all, I think over the years I've decided that Facebook is my favorite format because it doesn't have a constraint on the amount of words. It doesn't have a constraint on editing comments that you've made. You can fix your typos. It's just a nicer format. Um, Instagram is very pretty if you want to look at pictures. But I really... I'm a Facebook person. So find us on Facebook. Find us in the Lucky Mojo forum. And um, and you can also uh, find me on Instagram if you just want to look at the pictures. So that's what's new around here. Um, the Oh, one other thing. I've spent a lot of time this last weekend, this weekend, um, adding to Wikipedia articles about celebrities who hate Jews. So it's been fun. Name the articles I have contributed to, but you can probably guess where they spin off from. And so, how are things with you, Conjure Matt? Things are, uh, they're going, we'll say. <laughs> I mean, we talked about the last couple of weeks anticipating that Mars retrograde is going to be a pain in the ass. Uh, and Mars in retrograde many ways. is the greatest, 
I got. I'm sorry, Mars retrograde. That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm going in there punching, folks. Okay. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> and and, uh, and it's in Gemini, so Wikipedia, right? Like perfectly. That's that's right there. Uh, I should I should point out uh, that that Mars retrograde is going to have a lot to do. You brought up Twitter. Uh, it's going to have a lot to do with Elon Musk. So just watch this retrograde. Mm-hmm. What happens? Uh, any deals that happen right before them, and like any play, just watch. Have people backtracking? Watch people rethinking. It's all going to play a big role with this Mars retrograde mm-hmm. uh, in Gemini. Also, I mean, the, we should know. I mean, you were very subtle about it. You just sort of gently nudge towards it, but I'm going to be more overt uh, and just note that we are in a period of heightened anti-Semitism that is being platformed by our various social medias, that is being uplifted by celebrities. Uh, We just had on the East Coast a threat to a synagogue. Uh, The FBI warned about it. We're seeing this sort of increase, and this is not, it's not new. 2023 has been like a, we've seen it uptick, uh, particularly New York, where you see, for example, random Jews getting harassed or attacked. So be mindful of that. Uh, uh, you know, periods of anti-Semitism can only be countered when we stand in solidarity with each other. Religious communities, interfaith communities that stand and recognize that it, this is not just a problem that Jewish people are facing, and then ethically you should stand up for it. But it's also something that impacts everybody, right? So oh, this is a matter mm-hmm. of solidarity. It's a matter of ethical standing and be like, look, uh, in the same way that we address other forms of racism, we need to address things like anti-Semitism. Because I think a lot of people often treat anti-Semitism as a racism of the past because of the sort of overt experience of the Holocaust. People go, well, it's not a Holocaust, so it can't be that bad. But people forget, like, one of the largest attacks on the Jewish community only happened a couple years ago, the Trio of Life Synagogue, right? Like, this is real history and has, like, real consequences. And for those of us that are spirit work work with spirit, it's, it's, it's crucially important for us to address those things within our community, whether we light candles, whether we speak vocally, verbally, confidently, and with conviction, righteously against these types of hate. Um, particularly if you're sitting there using the Bible and you remain silent in the face of anti-Semitism, you really re- need to rethink your whole spiritual worldview there for a second. Um, so be mindful of that, that we are really in this moment of, of heightenedness. And of course, Mars retrograde is not going to make things easier. You're going to see a lot of erraticness. You're going to see a lot of chaos in other regards. And that really does also reflect in some of the, the clients I've been getting, the clients that I've been working on, I'm wondering for the Christopher and and your stuff cat can speak to this also. There's a lot of anxiety. These are these are probably the most anxious clients I've had this past month, I'd say, October and now the beginning of November. The most anxious clients I've had probably in the entire time that I've done done root work or client work. People are nervous. People are nervous about whether it's in their personal life. They don't know if they're gonna have a job at the end of the year. They don't know if their marriage is going to work out. They don't know the person they're dating is the right person. Like even people who are just starting dating, that honeymoon phase, that excitement phase isn't quite there. Instead, I get a lot of, is this person going to betray me? Is this person going to leave me? Is this person really going to work out? So there's a lot of anxiety. Um, you usually don't get those clients until something actually goes wrong. I've been dating this person and they ghosted me. What happened? Those are the, those are the readings we get, right? But now they're actually in a good state. They started dating and things are really cool, but is this person going to lie to me? 
there's this anxiousness mm-hmm. that uh, that is undergirding almost all the readings that I do, um, and it is it's a very heightened period of of readings too. I just people are coming in for readings. Like I mean, I'm completely booked the entire month of November. I have two slots open uh, in December, and one of them is penciled reserve. The person's like, I'm going to book this week. I'm gonna, so I'm probably only going to have one slot uh, in December, and that I think it just speaks to. The anxiousness that people have, people are really nervous about what's happening this month and next month and what their future holds. I do wonder if that anxiety will subside a little bit with the new year, maybe a little bit of optimism will come. But 2023 has just been the year of anxiety for people. People are nervous Mm -hmm. about that future. And like I've said in the past, if a historian wants to understand the 2020s or any decade, just look at the books of readers. Just re- just look at our client books. That will tell you what people are really nervous about because they really are nervous. Yeah, I I hear you. Um, Brother Christopher, who is about to be introduced as our guest, made a note in the chat. I've had several readings indicating some kind of negative event happening in January, February. Um, I'm I'm not planning anything until spring. <laughs> <laughs> you yes. know, it's um, hibernation is in effect. Yeah, it, it's definitely weird out there, and um, I feel sorry for my clients because it's just one thing after another, and yeah. um, it's been bad. It's been really, really bad. Of course, for readers like us, it means more clients, but we can't help them all as well because the larger picture they can't fit into. If the wheels aren't turning smoothly. One of our jobs as readers and root workers is to get them spinning at the same rate as their local wheel that they want to be part of, their local job, mm-hmm. their local house buying, their local having a love affair. And we're trying to right. you know, connect them with these wheels and then step them up to the next level of wheel and next and next and next. And you know, eventually they're married and have a child and it's, you know, then it's just rolling down for the rest of their lives in a nice place. Boy, we can't mm-hmm. get them in tune with it because the big wheels are broken. They're just freaking broken, and it's been very hard to tell people, no, your business is failing. No, you're not going to get a job. No, that guy in um, wherever isn't going to come to your uh, state and live with you. It's really been hard to tell a lot of bad news for a lot of reading clients, and um it's hard for me as someone who's a, a fixer-upper, you know, like let's let's fix this problem, to be able to say, mm, I don't see anything changing until next year. They don't want to hear it, but I'm seeing it not because I'm interpreting it that way. That's just the way that the cookie's grumbling these days. That's the way the pendulum reads. It's the way the cards read. That's the way the astrological readings are going too. All right. So right now we're going to bring in Brother Christopher from runeworker.com in Los Angeles. So welcome to the show, Brother Christopher. Hello. It's nice to have you here. Brother Christopher is a member of AIR, a member of Hoodoo Psychics, and a well-known reader of the runes. And um, so we'd like to, first of all, ask you, what have you been up to lately? Um, I've been having some clients and doing work for them, um, a lot of protection work and also it's kind of driving off some of their pernicious enemies 
And yesterday I was at a psychic holistic fair doing readings using runes and um, playing cards and uh, uh, lithomancy. And that was really fun and entertaining. Um, and previously, last month, I was at the Los Angeles Pagan Pride Festival doing readings there. And actually, I think, I forget if you mentioned this, Miss Cat, or if I read it in the Lithomancy book, um, where you describe a system using different colored semi-precious stones. And oh, at yes. the end of the reading, you have the client pick a stone, and then that's their stone to, like, take with them to help them with their issue that's related to that stone. And mm-hmm. so I sort of adopted that idea and I bought um, some small quartz points and I put them into a little white china bowl and uh, at the end of the reading I have them pick out a crystal and you know look at it and I tell them that this is a gift for them and that they can make a wish on it and then bury it in the ground and it'll help that wish come true. Wow. And okay. every client loves it. They're absolutely ecstatic about it. It's yeah, um, it was great. That's that's really really nice. Um and uh certainly burying it in your front yard or wherever is good. Um uh, the guy who did these first, Hobrin, was called the Hobrin's Gemstone Readings. It was a British guy. Mm-hmm. He used a tumble stone, a tumble polished, and told him to put it in their pocket because it's soft and round. Crystal point yeah. is not so much good in the pocket. But a wonderful thing because a crystal point is a very powerful, powerful thing. Um, good for you for for learning from, from that mm-hmm. old system. He's, he's um, passed away but um, really was a fantastic um, reader and and brought this... Uh, system out, uh, gosh, a long time ago, and I've been using it for years. I love it. it because what you're doing is they're identifying out of all the stones that they're reading, they're ident- you're reading on, they're identifying what their real problem is. And if you give them a blessing on that stone and they pick it, take it home, boy, they love that, and it will be a um, a real touchstone, so to speak, <laughs> for them. And um, And yes, and then you say, if this problem is no longer a problem for you, bury that stone and that problem is over come back and see me next year at the psychic fair we'll do something again you know um i i love that gemstone reading i believe yeah, tony i is tony i is in the uh chat and tony i knows what i'm talking about right tony i you know that gemstone reading and uh we have some mutual friends um who picked up on that particular method it's really wonderful all right. Um, well, we're going to be talking about um, rune reading. And so rune reading, rune divination, we have a web page at AIRR, the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers. So it's readersandrootworkers.org forward slash wiki forward slash category colon runic underscore divination. Don't even bother. Just um, you can get the the full URL out of the chat, and um, but you can also just go to the AIR website, readersandrootworkers.org, and in the search bar, just type runes, and you'll find the page. Mm-hmm. Tony I said yes, he remembers Hobrin's gemstone reading. All right, so um, 
Brother Christopher, t- tell us about the history of rune divination, runic reading, and um, give us a little background to it. So, as I understand it, runic divination as it exists right now is a relatively modern practice. I would date it at the earliest about sometime in the 1890s. Um, The interest in the runes stem from kind of uh, the, well, the nationalism of Germany and Norway and Sweden and Denmark who wanted to understand their past Um, mainly because a lot of their past had unfortunately been destroyed in the Middle Ages through overly zealous kings and priests who wanted to get rid of the pagan afterhold. And only some of the material that survived in buried artifacts or in giant stones that had been carved with runes still existed. And the runes themselves are an alphabet that Um, people in those areas used to write with and inscribe stone and inscribe on pieces of wood and metal. And um, so fortunately, the stone and the metal things mostly are most of the surviving remnants of today. And that's how we have a better understanding of the runes, although it's still very spotty. Um, And then the other sorts of information about the runes comes from uh, the mythology of those ancient peoples, especially Norse mythology. And they reference in their stories of the gods and elves and human heroes using runes and using them to cast spells. And in most of those descriptions, they're not very thorough exactly what runes they're using or how they do it exactly. Uh, various materials are used. I can't remember the saga, but there's one story where someone was trying to carve runes to enchant a girl so she would fall in love with him, but he carved the wrong runes into a piece of bone that he placed under her bed. And instead of falling in love, she fell ill and became sick. And so the hero in the story comes and checks her bed and finds this piece of bone with runes carved in it and then he carves other runes onto the piece of bone and throws it into the fire, which breaks the spell and the young woman recovers from the magically in- inflicted illness that the man accidentally caused on her. And then the hero chides the man and says, you should be careful with runes because if you don't know what you're doing, you could cause problems. Um, wow. Whereas in better examples in mythology, I believe it is, Um, when the god Frey was courting his future wife, who is a giantess, um, he sent his messenger, who was an elf, one of the light elves, and he he sent them many times because this giantess woman kept refusing Frey and saying, no, no, go away, just, you know, leave me alone. And he kept sending his messenger. And finally, you know, in a fit of pique, the messenger is like, if you don't give us some sort of terms that we can work with, I'm going to curse you. And with thorn runes and thrice carved and with pain runes thrice carved. And so the, the giantess was like, okay, you're serious. All right. And so she then demanded that Freyr had to 
um, surrender and sacrifice his sword to her, which was a major sacrifice on Freyr's part, but he agreed to it because he was so drawn to Freyr that he sent the sword to her, and so she accepted his marriage proposal, and they ended up being married. And she actually came to live with him in Vanaheim, I believe is how the story goes, Mm -hmm. and that's about the end of that tale. But that's one of the really great examples of the runes being used in sort of names. And there are other times that runes are named, and there's joy runes and blood runes and tree runes. And then in a longer story called the Havamal, which is which translates to the sayings of the High One, and it's believed that the High One is supposed to be Odin himself. At the very end of that poem, where most of it is used to describe proper etiquette and behavior and sort of life advice, at the end, Odin shares his secrets where he talks about runes that he knows and runes that he can use to help people and staunch blood and put out fires, and as well as runes to send witches flying, spitting away. And um, another mysterious quality of runes that he says he'll only share that information with, with a woman who shares his bed with him. So presumably one could infer that his wife Frigga or perhaps his lover Freya would also know these runes, but... Um, unfortunately, the the lady goddesses aren't talking. So, <laughs> well, that's a that's a wonderful history. I want to thank Nagashiva for putting up the links at air to some of these Norse gods that you've mentioned. We have a page on Odin, page on Freya, page on Heimdall, page on Baldr, and we're building more pages on these Norse um, deities um, as we go along. And I want to put a shout out to uh, Ingeborg Svea Norden, who is writing these pages for AIR. She is not a member of AIR. She's just a Norse historian and magician and um, chronological sorter-outer of myths, wonderful writer, So, um, and a good friend of ours. So um, the use of the runes for writing is well documented and attested historically. The use of the runes for spell casting is well attested as any alphabet would be used for spell casting. The use of the runes for divination is a bit more recent. And certainly it's true that the Volkische movement or the folk movement of Germanic and Norse uh, countries um, promoted understanding of the runes and also brought a lot of runic inscriptions that had been, you know, buried away in museums out and they were translated. But the use of runes for divination, specifically the use of stones engraved with runes or little wooden discs engraved with runes as a modern thing, actually does date back to the 1980s when the first book on the subject called The Book of the Runes by Ralph Blum came out, and he popularized them. And because of the way the runes were made that he sold with the book, or that his publisher sold with the book, were made of little tiles, it was a five-by-five grid, and there was an extra blank rune. And he used it as, like, if you lose a rune, you can just 
take a Sharpie marker and write the lost rune so your set will last longer. Or that blank rune then became its own idea that he created. It is not traditional, where it was this called the weird rune or Odin's rune. And um, there was a lot of pushback from more historically-minded rune diviners, especially because he was Jewish. And they said, what right has a Jew to do anything with our Nordic, Germanic, Volkische stuff? Well, he was just a mathematician, and he was basing it off of the I Ching. And he did a very good job. But all forms of runic divination since then owe something to him because he simply worked out the math of it and the meanings based on the names of the runes. So people have come up with more, quote, authentic attributions of the runes since um, Ralph Blum, but um, they cannot claim to have seen any living person do divination with runes before he brought that out. And a lot of people will do them on wood, carve them on wood. A lot of people carve them on stone. And um, there's a a, a real community of runic uh, users, of which obviously you're one because you're okay. at runeworker.com. But what's interesting about it is the more educated rune uh, diviners understand that this is a new system based on an ancient system of language um, and alphabetical expression. And they don't uh, they don't fall into that trap, which is what I call the burning times mythology or the grandmother tales. Um, there's a lot of people in new religions or new forms of work who want to believe something about the past that is not true, but it's romantic. So if you see, you know, um, people talking about runes having been used for divination going back um, many, many that's centuries, true. that's not that's not true, but it had they yeah. have been used for spell casting since ever. There is there every going all the way back and going back into these um, uh, Norse tales. They have been used for spell casting, but it would be in the same way that the Hebrew alphabet, the Latin alphabet, the Arabic alphabet, all of those different alphabets can be used to cast a spell. So um, let's bring in Conjurman. Yeah, you also work with the runes, right? Have we lost Conjurman? Conjurman is gone. Going once, going twice, going three Hello, times. Hello, can you hear me? Oh, there hey. he is. Uh, okay, I think I was uh, muted by, by Blog Talk Radio. Talk about oh, uh, Mars and Retrograde and Gemini there. I heard an unmuted yeah. sound, and then my voice appeared. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I I have worked with ruins, but in a very small manner. I don't consider myself a rune worker, really, uh, in any uh, expansive way or any intense way. Uh, I had a brief flirtation with them in my teen years where I was gifted a set of ruins, and it was Ralph Blum and his text. So my introduction comes through Ralph Blum. And I've done a few based off of his system, but they're not my go-to divination system. We should note that though the divination by ruins is relatively new, only spanning a few decades, the basis of it is actually quite strong. The foundation from which Ralph Blum builds the system is actually a solid one, and it's entirely copacetic with the Nordic tradition. We know, for example, that 
oracle work did happen in uh, the Norse traditions. We know, for example, that the tradition of Cider involves oracles or speaking on behalf of the gods. And we know that there was some type of sortilage, some type of bone reading or bone throwing or the throwing of items that was uh, interpreted in some way. And so the combination of the two with then the runic alphabet has, it makes sense. It may not be an ancient system, but I wouldn't take the ruined divination and go, oh, well, this isn't really Norse. This isn't how the Nordic people really did it, so it's not actual. It may be modern, but the logic behind it, the mechanics behind it is pretty sound. And the idea of using sortilage with the alphabet is not unusual. We find it in traditions where sort of alphabets are used in a, in a similar sortilage technique to kind of randomize and get meaning from. So it does certainly make sense. And those who have been rune casters, who have read the runes, uh, can attest to their to their to the insight that they can provide, to the wisdom that they can provide, because they have a built-in system of meaning. They have a built-in system of meanings. They have a built-in system. They have a built-in logic. They have already a mythology and a magic that is associated with it. So moving them on towards uh, divination is not unusual. And this is something that needs to be repeated. Because often we have this romanticization of divination, ancient, for it to be good. And there are certainly certain divination systems that are ancient. Astrology is probably the one, along with bone divination, are probably the two oldest forms of divination in history. But the tarot is relatively new also. People forget that the use of the tarot in divination is not an ancient Egyptian practice. It's a couple centuries <laughs> old. It's relatively recent. So just because divination systems are new doesn't mean that they can't provide insight or that they can't be particularly good. I think the ruins are a perfect example of a new system built on a much older tradition that works wonderfully, that provides insight. And there's a variety of ways that they're used. They're sort of still used in the sortilege fashion where some people kind of grab a random assess, uh, allotment of ruins and sort of cast them and then read the patterns as well as the symbols. So it, it's in many ways similar to bone divination. The randomized approach where you just grab a couple uh, out of out of a bag, a container, and then read those. And then the more tarot approach in which you use a sort of spread. And if you find, for example, a similar three-cut, three-card cut spread where you have past, present, future, you even see the, for example, Celtic cross of the tarot show up. Some rune readers use almost a very similar and so there are kind of three approaches. You sort of randomize that it's similar to bone reading. There's sort of a grabbing of a handful. And then, of course, there's uh, the, the sort of more uh, spread approach. And people, all, some, and they always find some form of insight. So there's a lot of flexibility in how you approach this so long as you remain truthful and honest to the cultural underpinnings of the room themselves. All right. I'm just going to a shout out to Tacitus. Uh, Tacitus was a Roman guy in ancient Rome yep. uh, who described Germanic tribes people using a sortilege system of wooden pieces. Yes. And uh, Brother Christopher says, yes, exactly. Tacitus is often passed around in rune magic interest groups. He said they were carved on wood or they were wooden sticks or they were wooden discs or something. And um, 
then um, there was also a question by Veramist: Are the runes uh, do the runes share a similar use as the 22 Hebrew letters? Can they be seen as living or energetic? Yes, they can, and that is true of any alphabetic system, any alphabetic yeah. system, including also Chinese ideograms and Egyptian hieroglyphics, which are not alphabetic per se. Right. So yes, that is true, and. Then um, Doc Murphy says, I know many magicians who wear runes as talismans, for example. That's right. You can pick one. It could be the letter of the beginning of your name, or it could be a rune that has a meaning Mm. ascribed to it that is a meaning you want to wear as a talisman at this particular time. In a similar way that the Hebrew letter, um, uh, well, the Hebrew chai is used to show uh, good luck or something like that. You, you know, you, right. people wear things, or the, uh, the what do they call that? The You know, that R, you know, what's it called in uh, contraband? You know, with Christ. You know, they do that with the Greek letters. Um, Chi Rho. Say it again? Chi and Rho. Okay, Chi Rho. That's right, Chi Rho. That's the same thing. It's a magical letter set that represents Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. And so this is because alphabet, alphabet correspondences. Right, so like this Hebrew letter is associated with this entity or this force or this angel, and associated with this herb, and it's, so it may build all a sort of category. And the runes have a similar set of correspondences. The one difference I would note between, for example, Hebrew uh, and this is where Hebrew and Arabic are more similar than they say are the runes, is that Hebrew is a numeric system. And that it also represents mostly numbers. You may, I could be wrong about this, so please correct me, Brother Christopher, um, because my knowledge of the ruins isn't as expensive as yours. But the uh, Hebrew and the Arabic here are alphanumeric systems. That is, that they also have a numerological component to them that is, is very important. So you often find the role of math plays a big role in both Hebrew magic and divination and Arabic and divination, and it's tied to letters corresponds to a set of unique numbers that can then be reduced, that can be added, that can be divided, that can be multiplied, and you do all sorts of symbolic things with it that both expands the system of correspondences but also allows you to uh, operate magically. So reducing a number does a certain thing. It allows to create a separate correspondences. But all alphabets, as Ms. Cat rightly pointed out, have that correspondences built in. They mean certain things are associated with herbs and roots, and they're associated with entities, with names, with even historical events. So there's a way of building that sort of filing system using the alphabet, which is why they make very useful tools in divination. There's a reason why, for example, certain Hebrew letters are associated with the tarot. I'm sorry, because you said something really important there about herbs and roots, and Brother Christopher had just put something in the chat, and I'd like to bring him in again. He said, you can make them out of any kind of wood, but wood of fruit-bearing trees is common. Can you tell us why, Brother Christopher, runes are made of the wood of fruit-bearing trees? That literally comes from Tacitus's description, that he described mm. the tribes of Germania taking the branch of a fruit-bearing tree, cutting slices yep. from it, and then yeah. carving letters or symbols into it, which he never describes what those are, and then they would sprinkle sacrificial blood on it and then do divination with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the oldest notice we have of what are probably probably runic divination or some kind of divination. Some kind of divination. Wow. All right. Well, we're going to be reading runes for two clients today. And um, 
Brother Christopher is going to be um, reading for both clients. I'll take one of them, and Contraman will take the other, and uh, we'll see what we get to. And then, of course, we're going to do some root work advice, too. All right, let me turn this over to Clifford, and he's going to bring in our client. Stay tuned. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with your hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman, will be right back. We'll be taking calls from our listeners, answering their questions through spiritual divination and prescribing down-home conjure remedies and remediation. Our call-in clients are selected from among those who have filled out a short questionnaire at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com. You can listen to the show online through Blog Talk Radio or via telephone by dialing 818-394-8535. If you filled out a client questionnaire at the form and you've not already done so, please dial in now to 818-394-8535 and press 1 to let us know that you're available to be on the air. We will select callers by their area code, and if your area code is announced, we'd like to say hello and let me, your announcer, Clifford Lowe, read a brief description of your situation before turning it over to the hosts. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our first caller. Our caller is Verum. So calling from area code 207. Verum, are you there? Yes. Your situation that you wrote is, I would like to know if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing in life right now, if I'm on track with my destiny, a general reading on the current circumstances of my life, and the recommended work. Turning it over to you, Miss Cat. All right. Um, uh, gee, I don't see that printed out in the chat. Maybe we're running a little behind here. Um, oh, there it is. <laughs> okay. I like to read it myself. Um, so, um, Verum, may I ask what your sign of the zodiac is? Yes, Aquarius. Aquarius. Okay. All righty. Well, I'm going to use my runes, and I'm going to be using the system that is described in Lithomancy, Divination and Spellcraft with Stones, Crystals, and Coins by Reverend Dr. John St. Germain. And he gives a number of systems. He gives a good history of the runes. But what he also tells is some ways of doing um, layouts. And one of them, which is pretty common and has been uh, since the uh, late 80s, in my knowledge, is to do the equivalent of a tarot or playing card uh, layout called the three-card cut, or the old three-card cut. And so this is what I'm going to be doing. I'm just going to take and uh, shuffle them, and then I'm going to, in my hand, and I'm going to um, close my eyes and pick three of them and lay them out. Okay? We'll see if I can do as well with these as I can with tarot. Okay, and I hope that my pronunciation is good too. Okay, the um, the first one that I have is uh, the one that is called Tear, also wise known as Tiwaz. And this is a rune that has the meaning of. Um, mm, see, I'm going to have to look it up. I'll tell you the truth. Um, and see where I can get with it. The meaning of Tyr is, says, Tyr is the one-handed sky god associated with the North Star, patron of competitive activities. His aid is stored in sports events, business, legal matters. So this is good, all right? I'm, I'm getting the picture here. You want to know if you're doing the right thing in life, and this says, yes, you will have leadership, courage, assertiveness, justice, self-sacrifice, and honor. So these are all valuable attributes to you, and um, now I'm going to ask you a question. 
what is the field in which you're asking is your, are you going the right direction? What field of life? Um, so therapy specifically with hypnosis. Therapy with what word? Hypnosis. Hypnosis therapy. All right. So this looks really good. It uh, definitely says that you can do this. And um, and sports events, business, legal matters, or winning out over romantic rivals means that you might particularly do hypnosis for increasing people's um, uh, athletic abilities, self-confidence, and so forth. This is a very good uh, – says, yeah, that would be fantastic. Okay. okay. The the next rune I have, and I have to look it up because this is not my system, but you can see how anyone who reads any system can kind of get it. This is the one that I always look up, call it the chicken foot. It's um, Algiz. Al, oh, excuse me. Algiz, Elhaz, A-old, depending on what language. And it's called an elk by some and sedgegrass or a shield by others. It provides positive influences through friends, family, loved ones, guardians, or benefactors. You will be called upon to provide shelter when everyone else around you is experiencing tr- troubles. You'll maintain success and sustain that which you have won. So this is really good for a therapist, isn't it? You see, we see here's somebody who is helping others, who is absolutely providing positive influence. Now, that's an interesting note here, through friends, family, loved ones, guardians, or benefactors. So this would say to me, you will do best with this career and this uh, work in life if you join a society of others who are hypnotherapists. In other words, don't just go it alone. They will provide referrals to you. You will provide friendship and referrals to them. Attend conventions. Do anything like that that is positive that has an outreach with others. Join any kind of an organization that would be um, good for you. Okay? And then um, the third uh, one I have is called Uruz. I hope I pronounced that one correctly. And Uruz, yeah, looks like I did, represents the wild aurochs, and it symbolizes health, vitality, physical stamina, resistance to illness, or negative influence. And it may mean you're going to face a challenge, and you will need wild animal vitality to confront it. Like the ox, urus move slowly, but with great determination. Now, these also have reversed meanings, but none of mine were reversed when I pulled them out. They were all in the uh, upright order. So this says here, there will be challenges, and you need to call on your own stamina. I look at this and say, um, yes, where you are going and what you are doing is really good. And I'm going to give you a, a thumbs up on this. Strong as an ox, says Doc Murphy. And that's really true. I think that um, the biggest warning here is that you need to join with others. If you don't join with others, you won't have as much of a success. All right. Noted. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass this on to Brother Christopher. Brother Christopher, did I do okay for a novice rune reader? Yes. Your <laughs> okay. your your reading and interpretation was great. Okay, well the interpretation really came from John, but applying it to this client is yeah. What that's what being a diviner is about. Thanks for putting up with me. Go ahead, Brother Christopher. Now you give him a real rune reading. Okay. So I'm just going to grab a handful of runes out of my bag here and cast them on my cloth. 
and let's see what turns up. And I actually use a larger room set than what is fairly common um, because there are different room sets. And I'm using the Anglo-Saxon with the Northumbrian extension, which gives me about 33 rooms to work with. Um, and I don't really work, read the reversals on them because I find that there's just enough runes to really get a good reading with this method. And of the runes that I tossed, three landed face up. Um, the first one that strikes me is the rune known as Burkana or Boerk, and it refers to the birch tree. And that signifies kind of growth and nurturing and support. And what it's telling me for you, Verum, is that you should definitely find um, a support network and a nurturing network to help you in reaching your goals. So if you're studying for your master's or something, then perhaps fellow students or a professor who is supportive and um, a community as well that can help support you to help you grow and flourish. And the next room that fell face up is one of the Northumbrian set, and it has a funky name that is pronounced Errol. And it re in the rune poem that describes it, um, the name refers. The name is said to to refer to a river fish, which from the time that it was written, anything that lived in the water was a fish. So that included otters were considered fish, beavers were considered fish, salamanders were considered fish because they lived in the water. And um, in this particular case, the animal that they're talking about has been determined by academics to be a beaver because it describes how it lives in the river and then it comes out on land and then it builds its home in the water um, using like sticks and mud to have its beaver dam where it houses. And so it talks about, it speaks to being flexible and adaptable and able to change to environments and the need to be able to make those shifts and sort of be, in a sense, amphibious, able to live in two environments at the same time and not have it be stressful or difficult. And so it speaks to being able to sort of transform and shift when necessary in order to move out of where you are and to move into a different place and kind of having to stay in that in-between zone. Um, so it may indicate that part of your studies, you may have to expand out of your comfort zone and move into additional areas of study. And also, I feel it speaks to, in the role of being a psychologist and hypnotherapist, um, of being adaptable to your patients and, you know, recognizing where they're coming from and trying to meet them there instead of, you know, holding a level and expecting them to have to rise to the expectation of whatever, you know, the epitome of mental health is considered. Wow, and then... Beautiful. The third rune that came up is another of the Northumbrian set, and it is pronounced year, and it's spelled Y-R, 
and um, in the rune poem with it, it describes how bows are made from yew wood and how it takes great skill and ability to make these things, but it also takes skill and ability to use them. And so I interpret this as being a focus on developing that skill and ability. And so I see that part of your journey is, is going to be taking the opportunity to really focus on the skills you want to develop as a psychologist and hypnotherapist and really taking them to the next level um, in your study, in your practice, really going deep with it so that way you're more than just proficient, but perhaps, you know, heading towards mastery with this ability. So it might, you know, if you had originally planned to stop at only a master's degree or perhaps, so perhaps you should pursue a full PhD or if there's other sort of certifications and advanced um, hypnotherapy studies that you could study and learn from or connect with in order to really take these skills and run them up to their utmost level in your practice. All right. We're going to have to end that there because we need to leave time for uh, Conjurman. I also wanted to point out right before we go to Conjurman, which is that um, I... Um, picked three runes with my eyes closed. He cast them. Brother Christopher cast them, which resulted in some face up and face down. And these are different styles of reading. Just wanted to point that out. Okay. Uh, Conjurman, see what you can do. Thanks. It was actually a fantastic illustration of the styles of reading mentioned earlier that you can either cast or you can use the sort of spread method. Uh, and it's really cool to see both of those in action. I thought you got some fantastic readings here. I'm going to give you two recommendations. The first is to build a traditional jar around success. So I would get five finger grass so that you're successful with all five of your fingers, bay leaves so that you're crowned with victory and success, um, as well as deer's tongue so that your eloquence, since you're looking at therapy and hypnotism, your voice is going to matter a great deal, and deer's tongue will help you in that regard, a small lodestone grit, and some magnetic sand around your jar, take a piece of paper, and write down your petition for both success and for allies. This is very crucial here. Ms. Cat saw associations as important for you as did uh, Brother Christopher, as well as the idea of going further in your education. So write all of those down, what you were given in the reading, that I am a successful therapist, that I'm able to help clients, that I have advice and support, and I re achieve the accreditation that I need in order to achieve the success that I desire. Whatever that petition is, write it out, turn it around, write your name three times, and then fold it up and place it into the jar. Then one by one, you're going to place each one of these herbs and minerals. You're going to put that five-finger grass so that you are successful with all five of your fingers and you draw clients to you. Baileys, that you are rewarded for your work and crowned with victory and success. And all that you are do, all that you do and are recognized as a successful therapist. Deer's tongue, that your voice is able to influence others and that they hear what you have to say so that your hypnotherapy or your therapy is successful. Lodestone, to draw to you success, to draw to you allies, to draw to you networks that will support you, and magnetic sand to bring you in all of your endeavors. You're going to sprinkle that little bit of magnetic sand, making sure that it hits that lodestone grit. Pray into that jar. 
right into that jar and then close it. Now, every day for two weeks while the moon is waxing, I want you to shake that jar. Shake it and call out your petition. After that two weeks, you will keep the jar on some type of success altar. If you end up having a physical practice that is a practice with an actual uh, office, you want to keep the jar at that office on perhaps some type of table that demonstrates your success. So it has your business cards on there. It might have uh, images of money or images of your various awards that you've won, pictures of your clients. You keep that once a week, you will shake that jar, ideally on a Sunday, which is fantastic for success workings. And you're going to keep that. So long as you have that jar in the office, it'll bring success to you. If you don't have a physical office, as most of your work is going to be done virtually or via recording that you send out, then set up a space in your home. This can be where you keep your laptop, your computer, but it'll keep your business cards in there. Keep your very images of success on there, whether they're awards or you meeting your clients. Keep that all on the altar and, again, shake that jar up once a week. When you encounter other professionals who you want in your network, ask for their business card, then open up that jar and add their business in there. You can keep adding your business cards in there, and that will build a sort of social network for you. The next recommendation is around that ruin that this cat saw, which was El Haz. El Haz is often a protective ruin in the, in the Goldbrook tradition, often associated with a particular runic configuration known as the Helm of All. It is a protective charm, generally worn to ward off evil and to paralyze evil, but it can be altered in a variety of different ways to increase your influence over others. So I'd recommend you work with a ruin worker. Maybe reach out to Brother Christopher and ask if he can modify this so that it brings you influence over others, whether that's uh, mental influence or influence via your voice because you are doing some sort of therapeutic work, but specifically therapeutic work around hypnotism. The helm of all works in that. And whenever they talk about uh, paralyzing people, freezing them through fear or freezing them through mental control, they're talking about magnetism and uh, hypnotism of some sort in the ancient tradition. Generally, others are able to sort of freeze them with your words. So the Helm of Awe has some sort of hypnotic connection, and it can be altered even further by a skilled root worker to, or a skilled rune worker to your particular benefit. So reach out to Brother Christopher, see if he offers that type of services. We have a few seconds left, so let's see if Ms. Cat or Brother Christopher have anything further to add. Um, well, let's turn it over to Brother Christopher. What can you add to this? Um, there's a particular symbol that comes out of Icelandic magic, called the Aegis Helmer. Um, it is also known as the Helm of Awe or the Helm of Terror. Yeah, exactly. And um, I find it works really well with success magic. And even if you just visualize it on your forehead, on your brow, over your third eye, um, you can use it to sort of awe and enchant people that you come across so that they're favorably inclined towards you. And there's a prayer or recitation that I learned somewhere, and I've slightly altered it, um, but it goes along to the effect of the helm of Oz upon my brow. May all strife be stemmed, and may all wrath be run away. May all people look upon me with favor as the Mother Mary looks upon her divine son with favor. And may the world be good and gracious unto me. And 
you just sort of say that and visualize the H's home on your forehead and then go about your day. Great. All right. Exactly. And note that, that comes that comes from the Christianized Norse forms and lest any heathens among us flip out and uh, turn pale and faint. Um, <laughs> so we're going to turn this over to Christopher and we're going to have another client coming to us. Uh, did I say Christopher? I meant Clifford. Clifford. Too many clients. Okay. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Rootworkers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic contra practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org, and by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the, script, by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to our next client. Our caller is Christiana, calling from area code 651. Christiana, are you there? Yes. Hi. You write that you have not yes. had a reading on this particular situation before. Um, and you say, I've been having nightmares about someone with the L initial for years now. I'm not really sure why. I would like to know why and if there is some, some kind of energetic link to her. Is she an energy vampire? All right, turning it over to you, Miss Kat. All right. Well, our first reader here will be Conjurman. Thanks, Miss Kat. Okay. So I've uh, cast the ruins here, and what I do is I kind of create a little circle on my on my cloth and then I throw the runes down not too different from brother Christopher and I read both the runes the trope, but also the configuration and the patterns in that particular circle uh, we do see here the first rune is Thuriza also known as the thorn and it is associated with in the uh, bloom tradition of the bloom tradition with Mjolnir the protective hammer of uh, the god Thor it is an aggressive form of defense. That is, in order to defeat your enemies, you must go on offense. That is not to say you build walls, but you break down the walls of your enemies so that they're unable to invade. It is the crack of lightning. It is the rumble of thunder. So you are facing an instance in where you will be required to put up a defense that is more aggressive. This is an instance where I would not recommend example, purification, cleansing, and crossing work, but instead fiery walls of protection, really uh, taking an aggressive approach here. So I'm signposting here for, for the wonderful Miss Cat in the future who's going to give you your root work recommendations of what this reading indicates the type of work that you need to do. You need fire and brimstone that will ring you in a wall of fire that will keep you safe, and that will cut and harm and drive away any who come close to you. This is going to be the key because without it, you are going to find yourself affected in regards to your health. For the next is Uruz. Uruz is the ruin of health, of vitality, of vigor. This does indicate to me that whatever these dreams are are not actually omens. They're not maybe symbols, but they may in fact actually be your psychic ability, your magical ability, picking up that someone is directing ill against you, specifically around your health. If you've had any sort of fluctuations in health, if you've had any sort of 
funkiness around health, be mindful of that, that that's going to affect it, particularly if you find yourself sort of drained or you find your energy sort of weakened or you find yourself sort of in a, in a malaise of some sort. That, that is an indication that someone is directing something at you in order to sap that particular form of strength from you, your vitality from you. If you haven't, know that you will soon unless you directly intervene in this. It may have come in sort of an inconsistent. It's not always clear, like if it's happening every single year or every single day. It may come and go. So it fluctuates here, but it is a direct against your vitality. So be mindful. Guard your vitality. Guard your strength. Guard your power. I recommend some type of, in addition to doing the, the, the vitality work, to really bolster up your strength, bolster up your power, and bolster up your health. So be mindful of that. If you have not already sought out some form of doctor or medical help, I would recommend getting a checkup. Get a checkup. Find out what's going on. Make sure you get a full workup. Catch anything, whether it's as minor as a hormonal imbalance or it's high cholesterol or whatever it is. Catch it in advance because whatever is there, if it's not addressed, can then spiral and become a much larger issue. And the final one that we see is Fehu. And it's interesting that these are some, Fehu is the first of the Futhark ruins. Fehu shows us an individual, or the image is generally seen as a pictogram or a, of a person raising their hands up in prayer. And it's generally associated with wealth, but wealth and abundance and success that come through the divine, that come through prayer. So build a powerful spiritual practice, build a powerful base of spirit from which you can uh, protect your vitality, protect your health, and protect yourself magically. So working with the ancestors, developing a prayer practice are all in, uh, require, are recommended here. But know that they who also heralds success, that if you take the right measures, you take that aggressive protection, that aggressive defense, that you make sure that you maintain your health in some regard, then you will be victorious, you will be successful, and that you will receive abundance. Something in your life probably has been blocked. Something in your life may have been frustrated a bit. And once you take this spiritual action, you may find that thing opens up. You may find that that avenue where you haven't been able to find success or that avenue where you haven't gotten what you seek will now open up. That those things will now come into your life, whether that's in abundance or love or whatever it is. You might find one area of your life really opening up after you do this particular form of working. So that's what I... All right. Um, let's go to um, Brother Christopher. Thank you. And um, and we're going to try to see something about who this person with the letter L is and whether it is a vampiric energy. It definitely sounds like it's creating a health problem. Okay? So take it away, Brother Christopher. So I, I saw that sort of question to seek out posted by Doc Murphy one in the chat. And so I drew a rune specifically to answer that question. And the rune that I pulled out of the bag, because I decided to do a more um, laid out style rune reading for this time, um, is a rune called Hagalaz. And Hagalaz, um, as I understand it, signifies hail. And the rune poem associated with this talks about how hail destroys things, and it destroys crops, and it can, but it can also kill snakes and you know and other creatures. So it takes out the good and the bad indiscriminately with ruin and destruction. But then afterwards, the hailstones melt and they turn into water, and whatever survives then can grow and fill up the space that has been cleared from the negative influences around. 
So as to who this enemy is, I feel this, this person, I feel it's a person and I feel it's somebody who definitely has ill will and distrust for you. Um, as to who exactly the L is, I'm not sure. Um, Hagalaz for me feels a bit more masculine. So, but if you're seeing a woman in your dream with the name L, then it might be just some, a woman who has very masculine traits or mass or personality traits that are considered masculine, perhaps being yeah, very hard hearted or, or yeah. um, as a frame I learned, a word I learned, a touch, a touch hog woman, I think is the phrase I learned from Miss Cat one time, you know, just somebody who's kind of rough and tough. And so she definitely has ill will for you. She doesn't like you for some reason. She wants to see you fail. Um, but her attacks against you, if you can overcome them, you will thrive and get stronger for it. And she will not be able to attack you any further. Um, some additional so runes that I drew. Me. Some additional runes that I drew. Um, the first one that came up, which was sort of interesting, is a rune called Dagas, which means day. And generally, day is considered to be blessing. It's it's associated with the summer solstice and sunny days and warm weather and plenty and prosperity. And so I feel this is pointing at to why she's jealous of you is that she sees you as being sort of blessed and successful. And so it's definitely coming from a place of envy of that. She sees you getting what you like the stuff that she wants in life and so she's sending this energy towards you because she wants to see you knock down a peg because she thinks that you don't deserve it. Um, the next room that I pulled is from the, North, from the Northumbrian extension, and it is pronounced ear, and it stands for the tomb. And I feel this is communicating more of her intent for you that she definitely, she wants to see you down. She wants to see you buried and lost and never able to succeed again. So she really, really doesn't like you. If she hides it in reality, when she interacts with you, it, she has a very cleverly constructed mask and you should watch out for that. And one way you might be able to take her down is to break that mask so people see um, her real face and realize that she's not the nice person that she pretends to be. Um, the next rune that I pulled was also from the Northumbrian extension and it is called Quiorth and it refers to the sacred fire. Um, there are fire traditions in the Northern European countries where at certain times of the year, the community would extinguish all their house fires and then a priest or other spiritual ranked member of the community would then light a new fire. And from that fire, everybody would restart the fires in their homes. And those fires would also be used to have cattle like pass by them in order to bless them and protect them from disease and misfortune. That is what queer speaks to is that sort of sacred fire. And to me, it's saying that you need to take time to purify yourself um, and, to, and it also speaks to 
a kind of protection um, to sort of keep her influence at bay and keep her away from you. Um, and so you should be doing uncrossing baths and uncrossing work as well as protection work to, to keep her away. Um, and with Queerth, I would definitely say fiery wall of protection work would probably be the best. Um, and I don't remember where I came across this spell, but it, it's, it's a little tricky, but it involves um, you need a, a fireproof container, something that won't be affected by great heat, so something made out of metal. And you fill it with salt and pour high proof alcohol. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. You're a oh, diviner. Okay. I'm going to give the root work. Sorry. Yeah, let's stay with the program, hon. Okay. Okay. Seriously. seriously. Otherwise, we'd be giving root work Thank all you. day long. Um, yeah, I mean, if you have anything more to say in terms of divination, and I'm sure that was a good spell, but honestly, that's my job right now. Okay. Um, <laughs> the last rune I pulled was the rune of Esk, which stands for the ash tree. And I interpret this as there are different runes that signify trees in the runic alphabet. And these trees, I interpret them as relating to sort of like different levels on the world tree itself. And the ash tree to me speaks to sort of the upper world, the realm of the gods and angels and higher benevolent spirits. And this tells me that you should be connecting with um, these spirits, with God, with the angels, um, or, you know, any kind of higher, more enlightened being and, and asking them to help you with your protection. All right. I'm sorry for being sorry for being so blunt and jumping in there, but um, you know we all take turns doing different things here. Very true. So I'm going so to, I'm going to go with the fact that both um, uh, Conjurman and uh, you, Brother Christopher, mentioned fire and protection and purification. So this person whose name starts with L, may I ask you, do you know the full name or you just have the initial L? I know the full name. Okay, great. Do you have a photo? I do. I do. That yeah. All right. I want you to get a photo of the person, print it out. Make it you can make it fairly small. I want you to write on the back of the photo. I want you to write the person's full name if you can get their birth date, put their birth date, and then um across it in sort of scribbly just scribble across those words in the back diagonally every which way. Um, I can sign you to fire, um, burn and be gone, whatever. It's going to be a fiery, they're going to go away by fire, okay? You don't have to do like you will die in fire. You just need to, you know, get out of my life by fire. Once you get a little heat-proof cauldron, it can be one of those little cast iron mini cauldrons. You can have a brass bowl, anything that you use like that. I want you to put a charcoal disc in it. Light the charcoal disc off your gas stove upside down, turn it right side up, and uh, when it's going really nice, I want you to put some fiery wall of protection incense on it. This is an incense that's used for exactly what it says, fiery wall of protection. I want you to um, uh, smoke the picture in this and say, you know, to, to make a connection with them. You know, wherever you are, wherever this smoke drifts, you, whose name begins with L, will be aware that I have you here and I am going to drive you away with fire. 
And you then can take and burn that picture on the charcoal. Just burn it up. There are other ways you can burn it. I'm going to give you a couple of other examples. One way is to burn it in a frying pan with uh, salt and chili peppers and other things like that. Another way is to take the paper of the, that has the printout of the photo, put some um, incense and some saltpeter in it, and twist it up like a little twist, like a little Hershey's Kisses, and put that on the charcoal. There are many ways to burn somebody, and I'm not going to go into every one of them, but you really want to destroy that photo with fire. You could just light a match over it and throw it down onto the charcoal that's burning with the fiery wall of protection. And that would work as well. Once you have it burned, no matter how you have it burned, and once that charcoal disc goes out, no matter how you connected it with your spell, you're going to take the charcoal disc and the ashes of the photo and pound them together in a mortar and pestle. And as you pound them together, you're going to say, this person is reduced to ash. There is nothing more left. They cannot manifest themselves in a dream with you. They just become as ashes. And now you're going to go out to a crossroads, preferably one that has a little bit of a windy hilltop. If you can find a place where cross and there's a little bit of a steady wind, that will help. And you're going to scatter those ashes. You can either scatter them to the four directions, as you would find on a compass. You can scatter them to the four roads that make the crossroads. Or you can do as some people do and just spin around Um, in a full circle, and let the ashes go as you spin around. And you say, now you are out of my life. You are lost and confused. You've been turned to ashes, and you are gone. You cannot come and find me anymore. You can also recite Psalms 1, which talks about scattering them um, as chaff in the wind, if you can find a windy place to do it. Psalms number 1 is very short, very easy to recite. When you come back home, I want you to clean your house, at least perfunctorily, maybe more deeply. Use Chinese wash. I want you, when you're finished cleaning your house, top to bottom, back to front, with Chinese wash, I'd like you then to take a bath. And the bath should be an uncrossing bath. Use uncrossing bath crystals. And you'll have two little white candles at the head and foot of your um, bathtub, and you will back out of your bathtub. And now you are clean. And then the last step is to do protection of your house so this person can never come back. So you are clean. Your house is clean. Some people, by the way, will do the bath first and use their own leftover bath water to add to the Chinese wash to do the house. That's another way to work. Either way is good. I find I get a little funky when I, dirty when I clean a house and I want to bathe myself after. Sometimes I'll bathe first and do a very light cleaning of the house. Either way is okay. Now, Once you're going to do the protection, you're going to use fiery wall of protection. And you can use the oil on candles, or you can burn more of the incense. But I'd really like to just use the oil on candles. You want to set up four little candles around your house, dress them with fiery wall, and call this person's name and say, this home is protected against so-and-so. Take fiery wall of protection oil on all four of the uh, corners of your doors and the corners of your windows and just dot it on and say this person cannot enter here they cannot enter in dreams just pay special attention to your bed and put four dots on the four posts of your bed or the four corners of your bed that's it sorry it took so long and i didn't get a chance for anyone else to contribute (laughs) 
Just shout out real quick. Make sure to watch your health. Get a health checkup. Oh, yes, and watch your health. That is so true, yes. There was an attack on your health. Thank you for mentioning that. Okay, next up is our network schedule announcement with fabulous music. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment from Brother Christopher of roomworker.com in California. Take it away, Brother Christopher. Hello. So the free spell today is a nine-day spell for blessing and protecting and drawing wealth and peace and good fortune to your home. And for this spell, you will need one white candle, one red candle, one green candle, and one blue candle. You will need the following oils, a money house blessing oil, a peaceful home oil, a protection oil, and Dixie John oil. And the following roots, a Dixie John root, a gentian root, and some basil herb. And the following powders of house blessing powder, peaceful home powder, and protection powder. A red cotton flannel bag, five slips of paper big enough to fold into small packets, and a red pen or marker. Take the five slips of paper, and using the red pen or marker, you're going to write the following five runes on it. The rune called Vunjo or Vunyo, the rune Algis, the rune Othala, the rune Dagas, and the rune Queorth. And you should write each rune nine times on each slip of Write each of those five runes nine times on each slip of paper and arrange the papers so they overlap slightly, forming an equal armed cross. Mix together the three powders and sprinkle them on the papers and around them, forming a circle with the powders. Sprinkle them with the basil as well and place the Dixie John and Gentian root in the middle. Starting with the white candle, anoint it with protection oil and you will place it Ooh, I lost track. You will place the white candle to your left on top of the papers. Then you will anoint the red candle with Dixie John root oil, and you will place that to the right and below of the white candle. And then you'll take the green candle with Money House and anoint it with the Money House blessing oil, and you will place that to the right of the white candle and then take the blue candle and dress it with peaceful home oil, and you'll place that to the top. And then light all candles, and as they burn, say the Lord's Prayer three times. Um, You can use any kind of candles. You can use chime candles. You could use um, household six-inch candles. You could use jumbo candles or vigil lights. And 
If you do use Vigilites, ideally you want them to burn for nine days complete. So that'll be approximately two sets of Vigilites, or you could just burn one candle each day, or you could burn a candle in sections for nine days, repeating the spell each time. Um, let the candles burn, and <clears throat> at the end of the spell on the ninth day, you'll take all the take four of the papers and put a little pinch of the powder blend into each one and fold the paper up into a small packet and seal the packets with clear or transparent tape. And then take each packet and conceal it into the four corners of your house. You can even tape it into the corner with the tape so that way it's small and, and down below. And then you'll take the fifth paper with a little pinch of the powder and you'll wrap it around the Dixie John and Gentian root forming a packet with that and sealing it with tape, and then placing that into the red flannel bag and closing it. And you'll want to place that red flannel bag then into the heart of your home. And where that heart is, is up to you. It could be in the bedroom, under your mattress, as a place of love and peace and rest. It could be concealed in a kitchen cupboard where food is prepared that nurtures and nourishes. It could be placed in a central hallway so that all who pass by are blessed and that blessing is carried with them wherever they go. It could be in a dining room where family and friends gather together to eat and celebrate in joy and brotherhood. And it could be in a living room where the family gathers to share in entertainment and joy and peaceful coexistence. And if you're really, really extra, it could also be the literal and exact center of your home, and it could be hidden inside the walls if you wanted to and could achieve that. The fifth packet could also be placed next to or under a candle once a month or once a year to help in re-blessing the house that is connected to the other packets and will help reinforce the blessings on the home when you feel it is necessary. And as a recommendation for timing of this spell, you could do it after performing a very thorough home cleansing or when you just move into a new home. And another good time to perform it is starting on New Year's Day or starting on Midsummer Day, either the summer solstice or June 25th, the Nativity of John the Baptist, which is also called Midsummer um, in Sweden. And that's all. Wow. That's a really good one. Um, the only addition I would say to that, and it's not to the spell, it's to the handling of the packets, I prefer to fold the packets so that they can't unfold themselves. It's called seed packet folding. You can mm -hmm. find it in my book, uh, Paper in My Shoe, and in a couple of my other books, too. That's a very beautiful, beautiful, thorough spell. I am one of those people who's fussy and doesn't want to use tape because eventually it loses its adhesion and just gets messy. So I like to fold my packets. <laughs> That's all. But other than that, wow. What an incredibly well thought out spell, and it's a it's a beautiful piece of working. Thank you so much, Brother Christopher. Um, You're welcome. I also wanted to give a shout out to Conjurman, the spell that I improvised for our second client. As I was going hmm. through it, I realized I had just created one of Conjurman's patented three part spells, hadn't I, Conjurman? <laughs> Did you notice that? <laughs> I noticed that I was very I was very happy to see it. Yeah. Uh Contraman did a workshop at the um uh twenty twenty two Hoodoo Heritage Festival and these 
workshops are going to be online and available for sale. 2022, we're going to have the entire um, festival for sale as a package. And some of the earlier years, we're going to be selling them one workshop at a time. So if you want to know what I meant by conjurements, three-part spells, it will be sold soon. And I hope to announce it very very soon. (laughs) Yeah. And Doc Murphy says it was a terrific workshop. Yeah. All right. There's our music. Um, And um, we are going to let uh, Clifford take us out, and then I'm going to come back and make a couple more announcements, and we'll all say goodbye. All right. Thank you, Ms. Cat and Conjurman. Thank you, Brother Christopher of RuneWorker.com in California for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week on our special guest. We'll be Ms. Elvira of Elvira.com, Elvira with a Y, in Nashville, Tennessee, bringing us the topic of spirit-animal communication. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Ms. Kathy the Lucky Mojo form at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjurman at conjurmanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Clifford Lowe, joining you from lucifero.com. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available on archive via luckymojo.com slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune again. Tune in again once again next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thank you, everybody, and goodbye. Thank you, Clifford. All right. Well, it's just about a good thing to talk about then. We are working on these um, making available um, viewing and downloads of previous Hoodoo Heritage Festivals from 2020, uh, 2021, and 2022, and we hope to have this all ready very, very soon. If you follow us on Facebook, by us, I mean any one of us, or the uh, Readers and Root Workers uh, Facebook page, or Instagram, or Lucky Mojo, or me, or any of them, you'll see videos will be coming up telling you how you can go to Podia and purchase individual workshops from past festivals from 2020 and 21. And then we're going to have 2022 available as a full package with a goodie box. It'll cost more because you're going to have a goodie box shipped to you. But that's happening until all the goodie boxes are done. And then we will be just selling views and downloads again. The downloads are of PDFs of lecture notes, the same kind of thing you have seen in the black folder and the red folder. So this is a really a wonderful thing in progress. We want to thank Papa G and Reverend James and, um, oh my gosh, Roy and Art. Everybody's working on this full time and uh, look forward to it. All right. Bye-bye. Good night, all. Bye-bye. Farewell.